Good morning, church. What a privilege for all of us to be gathered here today and worship the living God. We are, uh, Peter, as Peter puts it, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, and uh, people for his own possession. We are a chosen race. That is us. And we are so grateful to be here. Today we are going to see perhaps the most, one of the most well-known and the most recited psalm in Christian history, Psalms 23, as Doug mentioned it. You might have heard it uh, being stated in different movies or books. You might even hear an average pagan reciting the whole chapter. It might be the first biblical passage you have ever memorized. I remember as a kid, we used to memorize different passages from uh, Psalms, and Psalm 23 was like lesson 101. We used to consider a Christian who is unable to recite Psalm 23 as a Christian who is weak and who will not uh, read his Bible well. That's, that was a big pride in our heart. I can't help but wonder why this Psalm, this specific Psalm, is very popular than the others despite differences in culture, location, or language, it seems like every Christian in every corner of the world knows this text is quite familiar to them. I think the reason behind this is this psalms touches the very core of our beliefs. It depicts our Christian life. It shows who God is, and also it shows who we are. In Christ. So turn with me to Psalm 23 and let's read the six verses there. Psalm 23, starting from verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness, in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your road and staff, and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. This text seems like it's talking about one major theme, that is rest and be satisfied with God. This might, this might be an answer that you would give if someone ever asked you, what Psalm 23 is talking about. Rest and be satisfied with God. If you are new to the Bible or to this text, this, uh, this song is written by David. How do we know that? Well, first it is written at the beginning of the chapter. It says, a Psalm of David. David, who used to be a shepherd boy, but who eventually ended uh, to be a well-known king of Israel has written a lot of songs, and this is one of them. 
In addition to this, we can speculate that this psalm is written by David for the reason that the imageries or the pictures that are used here are highly related to his life. We see two main pictures, two main analogies that David used to show us who God is. The first one is a shepherd, and the second one is a host. We are going to spend the rest of our time seeing these two images. The first picture or the first point is God, our shepherd. We see this in verse 1 up to 4. God is our shepherd. It's on the first phrase of the text. The Lord is my shepherd. Here the word the Lord is a direct translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh. That's a sacred name of God that you will not hear a random Jew using often. The name shows mainly God's sovereignty, his kingship, his majesty. God doesn't need anyone to be God. By the way, our worships, recognitions, and acknowledgments are not the ones who makes God God. Unlike us, unlike the whole creation, God is independent, doesn't rely upon anyone. David is taking that word, the word Yahweh, and saying that majestic, glorious king, Yahweh, God, is my shepherd. He is mine. David is not too shy to say God is mine. He is my shepherd. Isaiah also referred God as his shepherd or as the shepherd of Israel. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 11 says, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. And listen to this image that he gives. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with him. David was quite familiar with shepherding. In fact, he was a shepherd before he was anointed as a king. And in fact, he was a good shepherd. If you remember his conversation, his famous conversation with King Saul before he became king, before he went to a fight with Goliath, he said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep, his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. He was a good shepherd. David was a good shepherd, and he knows what it means to be a good shepherd. So he knows what shepherds are supposed to do. And here in Psalms 23, he called Yahweh my shepherd. Why? We see that in the next three verses. He explains why he called God his shepherd. Verse 2, because he feeds and leads me. That's why God is my shepherd. Verse 3, because he restores me. That's why God is my shepherd. Verse 4, because he protects me. That is why I call Yahweh my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd for the reason that he feeds, he leads, he restores and protects me. Is the Lord your shepherd? 
Is Yahweh looking after you? If, if he is, then he is the one who feeds you, leads you, restores you, and protects you. Can you say that the Lord is my shepherd? If not, you are on your own. You will face tomorrow by yourself. Let me tell you that you won't make it if you don't have the Lord as your shepherd. God is our shepherd, and that means that we are his sheep. On verse 2, you see that the one who is feeding us from the green pastures is God himself. He is actively involved in sustaining us, in providing us food. This feeding, this leading us to green pastures, implies both to the spiritual and physical nourishment. It's not only spiritual, it implies to both of them. We see Jesus teaching the disciples how to pray, if you remember, on Matthew 8. We see him telling us that we should ask God for our daily bread. What did you have for breakfast this morning? Might be an odd question to ask in the middle of sermon. But seriously, what did you have in the morning? Maybe you are a single guy, you might have scrambled eggs as you did for the past six days. Or you might be a mother. You might just have prepared a good meal for your husband and for your children. Do you know that the one who gave you that food, the one who served that food to you, is God? It doesn't matter if you are a Christian or not. God is sustaining you by feeding you physically. But it's not only physical. We know that God feeds us, feeds us spiritual. But concerning spiritual food, it does matter if you are a Christian or not. God has given his people his word, the Bible, as nourishment to grow, in a relation, to grow us in relationship with him. That is what Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. But he not only feeds us, he also leads us. Leads us. He leads us in Christ's likeness. And in his leading, there is amazing peace and joy. He offers us peace that this world doesn't offer, peace that surpasses all understanding. He's leading. He's leading. The question is, are you following him? One of the most famous Jesus word in the Gospels is, follow me. Are you following him, Christian? The shepherd feeds, the shepherd leads, the shepherd restores. I don't know if you know this, but it is very, very hard to lead a flock of sheep. I know this in first-hand experience. I used to have a relative who was a shepherd, and he had a flock of sheep. So one time, uh, he gave my brother and me his rod, 
and he just went away. He knew that it was, it was going to be hard for us, so he just gave us like eight sheep. As we say goodbye to him and turned away, we saw three sheep just wandering off. So we were like, all right, let's get them. I tell you, that was a mistake. As soon as we got them back, guess what? The other five were not there. We tried to take the three where the, where the other five were. So what we were trying to do is just follow the sheep. So it seems like the sheep were leading us and showing us the path. After a while, our relative came back and he took the road from us. And in a few seconds, he got them on one path. And it was stunning to watch, actually. I think as a Christian, we are like this. How many times do we wander off by being attracted by the things of the world? We need our shepherd to restore our soul every day. It will take us like a minute to sin after repenting. We can't find the paths of righteousness by our own. We need him to use his word as his rod to restore and lead us. He is our shepherd. Our shepherd feeds, leads, restores, and also protects. Let's read verse 4 again. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David knew this more than anyone. As we have seen earlier, he delivered his sheep, which was so close to be eaten by a lion. He snatched his sheep from the mouth of bear. He's saying that the same thing happened to him, and the great shepherd protected him. Christianity is not all about still waters. There's a time for storms also. Of course, there is a green, a green pastures, but there is also a valley of the shadow of death. Don't, don't listen to preachers who tell you to deny any kind of suffering. Don't give your ear to any preacher that would say you will not suffer after becoming a Christian. You might even be experiencing, experiencing trials and hardships in your life right now. The Bible acknowledges that. It's not because you're sinning. It's not because God is angry with you. No, no, it's not. There are times when we will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But it is okay. It is fine to suffer. You know why? Because the shepherd is right beside you. The shepherd is your father. Speaking of fatherhood, I remember my father, whenever he came back home from work, he used to pick me up and lift me so high. Well, he can't do it now, obviously, because of my weight and also pride. But <laughs> I remember shouting and having an adrenaline rush in my body. 
when he put me back, I would say, again, again, dad, I loved it. You might have done this with your kids also. Even though I was a kid, I knew that if he let go while lifting me high, I would be seriously injured. That's what creates an adrenaline rush uh, inside me, right? But there was some assurance in my heart that he won't let go. How do I get that assurance? Because I know him. He's my father. I think that's what, he's talking, that's what David is talking about, God. I will fear no evil. Why? Because, God, you are holding me high. Yes, we will have adrenaline rush when things go wrong. Yes, I will be devastated when I lose my job. Yes, it will be sad to lose loved ones. For sure, it's a heartbreaking situation to see a child of mine being sick and passing through different sufferings. But, but I will not fear because he won't let go. God won't let go. He is with you, brothers and sisters. The one who is holding you and guiding you throughout your life is your father. He cares for you. He loves you. He is in control, so trust him. He is your shepherd. You are his sheep. He feeds, leads, restores, and protects. The story doesn't end here. One of the stories in the Bible that blows our mind is that this shepherd, the good shepherd, has become a lamb to restore the sheep from evil. That's amazing. He became one of the sheep. He became one of us. Yes, he protects you. Yes, he feeds you. He leads you. He restores you. He comforts you. Yes, he does. But he also died for you. The others are the fruits of his sacrifice. He became one of his sheep to die and save many. What a shepherd do we have? Jesus took the punishment that his sheep deserved. We wandered off and got indulged in sin. Our sins brought God's wrath upon us. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Good Shepherd, took that wrath upon himself, and he was slain to save sinners like me and you. I plead with you today. I plead with you to come to this good shepherd and be saved from God's wrath. There is no other way. There is only one way. You can only be saved by Jesus. For us who set our faith and trust in him, we'll live with him forever. Look at your bulletin, the call to worship that we just heard Doug reading. Revelation chapter 7, verse 17. Notice how it addresses the lamb as a shepherd. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. David recognized this shepherd and he rested upon him.
and you should rest upon him also. David also depicts God as a host having a guest. He's saying that God is our host. We are his guest. That's a, that's a second picture or the second point that uh, we see in this psalm. God is our host. We see this in verse 5 and 6. Let's read it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Psalms gives us a picture of intimacy where a host invites a friend over for a meal. The language that is used in this specific uh, section shows deep intimacy and friendship. And on the table, we see three characters, David, God, and David's enemy. It's not only God and David. David's enemies are present there also. The table is set in the presence of David's enemies. It's, it's looking like God is proclaiming his and David's victory in front of his enemies. We see this on the cross. Jesus, our good shepherd, has won a battle on our behalf against our greatest enemy, death. He has anointed us with the Holy Spirit by setting us apart from this world. We have been invited to his table as a friend. Once we were enemies, but now we are friends. He made us friends. We are not like the enemies watching God's goodness and mercy to others. We are the recipient of his providence. And there is no end to his providences. There is no end to his blessing. Notice the word, my cup runs over. It is abundant, never ending. The providences or the blessings of God are put in plural form here in Psalms 23. Green pastures, still waters, paths of righteousness. My cup runs over. There is no end to God's blessing for those who love him. Many Christians think that there is a shortage in our cup of salvation. We think that the grace of God doesn't overflow. How? How do we think like that? Well, we think that we are saved once by grace, but we also think that God is waiting at the end of the line by leaving us to fight and to finish the race. We say we think that we started by God's grace, but we will finish our strength. We constantly worry that we might lose the salvation we received but didn't earn. What if the cup is not full? What if I die while sinning? What if I didn't attain perfection? What if, what if, brothers and sisters, your cup is overflowing. Christ has taken the cup of wrath 
so that your cup, your life, will not run over. Oh, Christian, hear what your shepherd has to say about this. John 10, 28. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one can snatch you out of your shepherd's hand. Neither your sin, nor trespasses, nor death, nor life, nor things present, nor things to come, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. David is joyful that he has been invited for a dinner by the king full of mercy and love. It's one thing to be invited over for a dinner. It's a whole different story to stay there for the rest of your life. Maybe you had guests that you felt were going to stay there for the rest of their lives. What if the guests that you've just invited for a dinner said, oh, I really like your hospitality. I think I'm going to stay here forever. Your hospitality shall follow me the days of our all the days of my life. What would you say? You would say no, right? Unless, unless that guest is your child. You see, David is saying that, yes, I have been invited to God's table. The hospitality is amazing. It's awesome that my cup runs over and I have been anointed with oil. With oil. That's good, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay. I'm going to live here forever. Why? Because I'm not only a friend, but I am the son of the owner of this house. Thus, I will dwell in his house forever. We would never have to live, brothers and sisters. We can stay at his place forever. We will dwell in his presence for eternity. If you were following me attentively, you might have recognized that I jumped over two important phrases. The first one is in the first verse. I shall not want. There's nothing that we are lacking. It's amazing. We used to be spiritually poor, but God blessed us. There is nothing that we are lacking. We are full of his blessings. But still, still, we find ourselves looking for satisfaction in something else. We find ourselves looking for fulfillment in something less than God. Are you saying that, let me just have this job and I will be satisfied? Or let me have a child and I will be fulfilled? Let me have that car, money, let me have a spouse. Do you find yourself feeling empty because you don't have certain things? That won't satisfy you. It won't satisfy you. You shall not want because the Lord is your shepherd. He is the one and the only, the one 
and the only that can satisfy you forever, that can give you rest and fulfillment. The second phrase that I jumped over is in verse 3. For his name's sake, he leads us in paths of righteousness. Let's take one example. Let's say that you got a dinner invitation from the king of Iraq, his highness. You will immediately think that, why did I get this invitation? Why, why am I invited from, a, from, why did I get this invitation from the king, from, from a special person? You might ask yourself, am I that special? I used to think that I'm an ordinary guy. You'll see yourself and can't help it but ask, what made you special to get an invitation from the king? Is it because I helped some poor people in Iraq? Is it because I was performing well on my job? Well, that doesn't make you special. Everyone does that, right? So why? Why did you get the invitation? That's the same question that David was asking. That's what he asked God when he got invited to his table and was blessed abundantly. Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? Who am I to be invited by the kings of kings? Who are we that the Lord is our shepherd? Why does he feed, lead, restore, and protect us? Why? Why did he have us as his guest and allowed us to stay in his place forever? Why? It is for his name's sake. It's not because you're important. It's not because you're special. It's for his glory. The reason for the abundance of grace is not found in us. Rather, it is in his glory. He saved us for his glory. He is our shepherd for his glory. He sustains, provides us to show how great he is. To show who he is. For his name's sake, he's our shepherd and he's our host. In conclusion, Psalm 23 is a chapter where God says, I love you. Rest on me and you will be satisfied forever. He is our shepherd who feeds, leads, restores and protects. He's a good host who allowed us to stay in his house for eternity.